0: Hi, everyone. Dave Stehoviak with the fourth and final lesson in this course on key tactics for leading through ambiguity. Applications will close shortly to the Coaching for Leaders Academy at the end of the day, Friday, March 18th. If you'd like to be considered for this application period, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy before the end of the day on the 18th. And if you want access to this free audio course permanently, Just set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. Okay, here's the final lesson in this course, how to avoid micromanaging. A question I'm often asked is, what are the most common struggles you see leaders facing right now? There are always things happening in the context of individual industries, the news of the day, and the current economic landscape that occasionally adjusts my answer on this a bit. But in the 20 years now I've been facilitating, training, and coaching, it's interesting how I find my answer to this question doesn't change. For better or worse, the struggles that many of us have are not unfamiliar. And one that comes up again and again is worrying about micromanaging people. Most of us have had a bad manager at some point along the way. And oftentimes when I ask people about their worst experiences being managed, the word micromanagement is surfaced as a key complaint about that past leader. I think this is one of the reasons that a lot of the people I work with have a fear of micromanaging others. I mean, you don't listen to a podcast called Coaching for Leaders and not have care about being a good leader. And since many of us tend to correlate bad leadership in our minds with micromanagement, it's an especially sensitive topic. Ideally, if you delegate well, you'll minimize the chances of micromanaging people. That's why you've heard a bunch of episodes on the podcast over the years on delegation. There's a lot to it, but in this lesson, let's just focus on the key antidote to micromanagement. That's expectations. Most leaders don't want to micromanage or intend to do it. But they suddenly get caught up in the moment when something happens unexpected. Let me explain. Let's say you've delegated something to an employee. And being a manager who wants to do well by them, you give them the right resources, support, and time to do the work. And occasionally, that works out perfectly. But often, things don't work out perfectly. And once in a while, something really goes sideways. A key metric gets missed. A client changes the requirements. A timeline moves drastically. What seemed clear the day before all of a sudden looks really ambiguous. And when that kind of ambiguity happens, many of us high-achieving, well-intended leaders jump in right away to help out the employee. To us, we're just trying to help. But the other person suddenly perceives that we're micromanaging them. This comes back to the antidote to micromanagement expectations. You see, micromanagement isn't so much an act as it is a feeling. What might feel like coaching and mentoring to someone in one situation may feel like micromanagement to someone in a different situation, even though the behavior is the same. The key is to get agreement up front about what accountability and dialogue will look like when you delegate something to someone else. What that means is that part of the delegation process is to establish up front before the work even starts the cadence and framework for check-ins and conversation about the work ongoing. That way you establish an agreement with the other person in advance about how you'll engage as a manager to support them. By establishing with them up front what this will look like, you're essentially creating expectations. And if I may permission on how to dialogue with them about this. This doesn't eliminate the feelings of micromanagement, but I've seen very few situations go down that path when an explicit conversation happens up front about how check-ins will happen. If both of you agree in advance to check-in weekly on a project, it's a lot less likely the other person is going to feel micromanaged when you check-in weekly. Rather, you're just doing what you both already agreed that you would do. This often begs the question, well, that's fine, but how often should I be checking in with someone? And what happens when that cadence ends up being wrong? So let's take the first part of that first. How often to check in with someone you've delegated to? There is of course no universal answer to this question. It varies widely depending on the kind of work and the organization. That said, there are two dials to consider adjusting when determining the best cadence. The first dial is to assess how much experience the employee has with the kind of work that's been delegated to them. If they've had little to no experience with this kind of work before, or no track record of success with it, that's when I, as a manager, am going to turn up the dial on check-ins pretty substantially and I'm going to explain my rationale for that to the employee. We'll talk about the fact that this is something new for them, and as a result, we're going to check in more regularly than I might do with someone else who has more experience. Most of the time, I find that people understand and appreciate this. After all, if someone doesn't have much experience, they generally want a bit more dialogue with their manager to make sure that they're on track. Related to that, I've had just as many conversations about absent managers over the years as I have about micromanagement. This process of having an explicit conversation up front about your check-ins also makes it more likely that you calibrate yourself as a manager on how much time you may need to provide coaching, mentoring, or direction on something that's new. On the other extreme, when I delegate something to a person who's had lots of experience and maybe success with the work before, I'm going to turn down the dial on frequency of check-ins way down, maybe even defer to them entirely on what, if any, support they need from me ongoing. So that's one dial, how much experience they have with the work. The second dial is the importance and visibility of the work. If the project I'm delegating is critical for a top customer, I'm going to check in more regularly with them than in contrast if it's a lower visibility, perhaps just an internal project. I also try to be really explicit about this in my language when delegating. So, for example, I'll set the expectation for less frequent check-ins with someone who doesn't have much experience on a lower visibility project than I would with someone without experience on a high visibility project and of course these dials need to be considered together so even if my most experienced person is working on a project they've had lots of success with before i might start checking in a bit more if that project suddenly becomes the focus of attention for the president of the organization and here's the key being really transparent about that even saying something like hey I wouldn't normally check in with you on this as much, uh, but since this has so much visibility right now, I'd like to be in the loop more than I normally am so I can respond to questions that come up. Let's discuss what that looks like. Finally, you can and should adjust this as you go. If you're doing check ins really often and you're finding that maybe they're not as necessary, slow down the cadence. And again, talk about that with the person. What a great way to acknowledge someone's progress by saying, I know we talked about meeting more often on this, but I really feel like you're doing well with this. And the opposite too. If something goes wrong, a deadline gets missed, or another factor outside of everyone's control changes things, talk about that. Discuss how you can help them get back on track and perhaps what more frequent check-ins and support would look like from you. I hope you're hearing a big theme in this lesson. Creating clarity on the communication expectations between you and them by deciding up front how you can connect around milestones. If you make that a regular practice of how you delegate work, you'll greatly reduce the likelihood of engaging in micromanagement. I hope this course has been useful to you on a few actions you might consider when leading through ambiguity. Ship captains are hired not so much for sunny days, but to help a vessel navigate safely in a storm. Leadership is like that for almost all of us. There have been more storms in these past few years than most of us would prefer, and it's the time when effective leadership makes an even more meaningful difference in the lives of people. If you're in the midst of a lot of challenges right now, the support and structure of the Academy may be helpful to you in moving forward this year. If the time's right for you, I invite you to consider applying for the Academy. For details and to apply, go over to Coaching for Leaders, dot com slash academy before the end of the day on friday march 18th and whether the academy is right or not i hope you'll take at least one action from this course to use in your work this week thank you for listening and as always for the privilege to support you through this podcast Now, stay tuned for the next regular episode coming on Monday. New York Times bestselling author Keith Ferrazzi is back on the show to help us with perspective on a closely related topic, the key indicators of team resilience. See you back on Monday.